every entrepreneur has a story. Welcome to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur, where each episode, your host, Brian Carney, will share a drink with a successful business owner and have them discuss their unique journey, gaining insight on what it takes to be an entrepreneur and different ways to get there. Brian isn't just a beer nerd. He's also the co-founder of River's Edge Advisors, a financial planning firm headquartered in Delaware, specializing in working with business owners. It's time to pour yourself a drink and enjoy a happy half hour with an entrepreneur. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur. I am your host, Brian Carney. I'm really excited because for the first time today, we're actually going to have two guests at the exact same time. So this is brand new territory for, for the podcast. My guests today are Jared Duckett and Bill Ladd of Duckett Ladd CPAs and Advisors. They are a dental-only CPA and advisory firm based in Springfield, Missouri. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having us, man. Yeah, excited to be here. Appreciate it. Love it. Well, I'm glad we could uh, sit down, have a drink, and, and talk about your, your business. So I am going to be drinking. So this summer, we fell in love with this brewery called Levante Brewing, which is like 40 minutes from my house in Westchester, Pennsylvania. They yeah. make a beer called Cloudy and Cumbersome, which is outstanding. So I'm going to, since I'm going to try one I never had before, this one is called Purple Pine Drops Pale Ale. So I'm going to give Purple this a shot today. Drops. And we'll give it a rating at the end of the show. What, uh, Bill, what are you going to be tackling today? Yeah, so I don't know if Jared's ever told you this, Brian, but it's really cool because we moved into a new facility. Yep. And we didn't have a whole lot of uh, uh, criteria. You know, we wanted a standard accounting office that looked cool and modern trendy. But a prerequisite that we had to have was a microbrew right down the deck. Oh, so we are, we are both having a, uh, a microbrew from Great Escapes Brewery, an awesome brewery that has now become a line item on our P&L because we go down there <laughs> every day, pretty much. I have deductible, baby. <laughs> that's, that's what I, call, I call take your time or what, what's called take your time. Okay. And, and I'm a Midwestern guy. I'm not sophisticated. So, and I'm not a beer snob, so I'm probably going to butcher this, but it's like a Hefeweizen. Oh, sure. That's yeah. how you pronounce it. Yeah. But it's a, uh, it's a great beer. It's not new to me. It's one of my standbys. So it's, it's delicious. I love, love it. it. Jared. Yeah, same thing. I, again, you can look out this window here and you can almost see the brewery. But yeah, I went down there and got, it's called a Stone's Throw. Okay. It, it's called an alt beer. The first time I've ever had it. And it's an alt beer, which means, again, I'm not a beer snob, like you said, but alt beer means it's kind of got the dark look to it. Very it's dark. Really, it, it's really light. It looks yeah. dark. I mean, it's dark, but it looks like it'd be heavy, but it's not. Oh, it's, it's awesome. awesome. So Stone's it. Throw, man. Yeah, I'll see what it, see what it does. Perfect. Maybe they sell it out here. I'll see if, if not, we'll have it, uh, <laughs> we'll have to get it shipped out. Love it. Well, thanks again for, for jumping on. So first, uh, Bill, tell me a little bit about your firm and your company. Yeah. So again, I appreciate being here, Brian. I, you know, followed you and heard nothing but great things. So Jared and I are actually partners. We're co-owners, of, co-founders, co-owners of Duckett Lad CPAs and Advisory. And we actually have recently kind of conceptualized that, that everybody that we want to work with is on an entrepreneurial journey. You know, yeah. we tend to work with businesses, specifically dentists. And, you know, every journey, as you know, has a beginning point and an ending point. And when we talk to dentists, we realize that, hey, that beginning point could be as early as day one of their dental school. You right. Know, they want a D1, as they say. Yeah. And we kind of walk mm-hmm. through what we call phase, you know, phases. And there's six of them to the point where we get to the last phase, which is where we've had a great practice. We've been successful. We've been profitable. We've done well. We set up for our retirement. And now we have a liquidation event and we move on to our next. And that's what we call phase six. 
So we kind of see them in, broken up into different phases uh, through there. And our job is to put out content and put out services and products that help people as they're kind of advancing through their entrepreneurial journey. That's, that's how we see it. That's great. So I find it interesting that you guys have, you know, your firm has a singular focus on the clientele that you, that you uh, want to attract. That makes marketing certainly a whole lot easier when you're yeah. trying to find new clients. You're not, you know, so tell me a little bit about how you came upon and decided that dentists were the, were the going to be the target for you. Yeah. I mean, b- before, before dentistry, if you will, I mean, before really we got laser focused on dentistry, we were really a, a, a generalist. Okay. Right? Which, which means we do everything. Yep. You know, so whoever comes in the door, it's, Hey, I got this. Sure. We can help. Hey, I got this. Sure. We can help. So we'd be working with all these different industries, um, but not specialists in any of them. Yep. So again, we decided to get laser focused. We were very intentional on that. And the reason dentistry is, and a lot of people say this, but we work with several of them already. Right. And we loved working with them. Yeah. You know, our, their businesses parallel kind of our businesses for service-based businesses. Once we started work with them, we enjoyed working with them. And once you get in and help one dentist again, help them make their life better. Yeah. That, you know, that, that's fun. You want to right. go on to the next and really just figure out how to help them. Um, so really we had a couple at the beginning, started work with more and more, got in different groups and it just made sense to dive deep and we've never looked back. It's, it's that, a blast. That's great. So, um, We've had our mutual friend, Dr. Paul Goodman, on the on the program before. And, you know, picking dentists is interesting because he he's pretty adamant about speaking out about the fact that a dentist goes to dental school and learns how to be a dentist, but doesn't ever learn how to run a business or own a business. And that seems like an area where you guys really can help them. Is that has that helped you in the decision to to make that laser focus? Yeah, hundred percent. And and I even go back and say, guess what? It's not just dentists. We yes. went to to school to learn accounting. It, right. They taught us how to run a small <laughs> business. Of course not. Right. Yeah. Nobody. I mean, that's just not an emphasis. Maybe it's better now, but when we were coming through, it wasn't. And certainly, it's not in dental school. So what happens is is you 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 kind of go through and you learn to become a very good technician. Yeah. Right. And, and you want to come out. And you come out and you're probably going to find a job, you know, in the dental space as an associate working for somebody else, a W-2 type employee. But still, there's some of us out there who are wired a little bit different, have that entrepreneurial bent. And they're like, hey, you know, I don't want to work for somebody else the rest of my life. Maybe my dad was a dentist or or maybe I had a family member or maybe I just don't like people tell me what to do. Maybe I want to chart my own course. Right. Sure. Yeah. Create a different office. Paul Goodman. You think he could be an employee for somebody? Of course not. Right. That's just not how he's wired. So they jump out. And the problem is they have no idea what that means. And guess what? When Jerry and I jumped out, we really didn't either. I mean, you have to learn this stuff as you go. It's not simple. You know, yeah. so again, that kind of goes back to our journey as people are trying to, first of all, understand that they want to have, you know, their own practice. That's our phase one. We're trying to help them. Is business ownership right for me? And again, this could be when they're in college, dental right. school. So our goal is what data points, what education can we give people to allow them to make an educated, informed decision that that is right for me? Yeah. I mean, it. you know, it's, it's not always a cakewalk. It sure. can have so many wonderful values or benefits, but it also can be really tough. You know, yes. when you go from, you know, a, a staff of maybe your assistant or two to now you have a staff of seven or eight or nine of people who you bought out from another dentist who retired, it's a whole different ball game. 
And so again, our goal is to find these people and, and try to pour into them and really shorten that learning curve so that they can kind of get to understand the business and specifically the business of dentistry yeah. as quick as possible. It's, it's a great question. It, it's a problem that we see all the time. Well, the key, the key thing you said, they're really shortening the learning curve, right? You know, yeah. so it doesn't make sense for every dentist to get out, think about owning a practice, dive in and then learn it after the fact, right? Right. Let's yeah. get in, help them shorten that learning curve to where they then jump in, buy a practice or do a scratch start, whatever. Yep. They've thought about how dentistry works, the business side, and they're not learning it after the fact because there's a gap there. For sure. It takes a lot of time, which means you lose a lot of money. Yeah. So by shortening that learning curve increases cash flow and, and just helps everybody out. It makes everybody's life better. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's a great point to be able to, to, to give them a, not necessarily a shortcut, but to, to fast forward that learning that learning curve is such a huge advantage. Do you ever run into resistance where you, you meet with a potential uh, dent, a potential client and he, he sort of says like, yeah, I don't really know if I need to hire you guys yet. Let me go try and figure this out myself. Do you run into that? Yeah. I mean, I think you see that all the time to a degree is people want to do it themselves. Sure. And, and people can do it themselves. I'm not going to say they can't, but you know, it all goes back to I think it's Dan Sullivan, strategic coach, right? What's, what's your unique ability? What are you uniquely qualified to do? Yep. And again, I go back to a dentist goes to dental school to be a technician, you know, be a technician. They can be a CEO, grow, grow group practices, et cetera, but leverage other people's knowledge to help them get there yep. instead of them do it all on their own. Yeah, that, that makes sense. One thing tough. I'll add to that, Brian, too, is <laughs> I, I think that was an important lesson. It took us a while to learn. And that, that kind of was the, the, change between being a generalist and really focusing in on a niche specialty, we realized we had to come up with an ideal client, right? an avatar, because there are literally going to be some people who are going to look at what we do and say, no, that's yeah. not what we want. Whether it's for budget purposes, whether it's for commitment purposes, whether it's something that they can't conceptualize what that means. And we have to be a hundred percent fine with that. And then yeah. that's a lesson. It took us a long time to learn because everybody hates to hear no, yep. but a lot of times they may say no because that's the right decision for them at that point in time. And, yeah. and, and for us as well, sometimes we have to say no. So, and sometimes that may change over time if, if they kind of give it a go and it doesn't work. And our goal is to try to help however we can. And somewhere down the road, we may start our paths may cross again. Right. But in the meantime, you know, not everybody's going to be a right fit for us. And I'm sure with your business as well. No, you're, you, you're right. We deal with this all the time and, and it takes a little bit of time uh, to get comfortable with the fact that you're not trying to make every person a client and you can, re- right. you can have the, the realization like, Hey, there are people that can do it themselves. I'm not trying to get them to be clients anymore. That's a, let them do be happy. There's plenty of people out there that need our help. So let's just focus on that group instead. That's right. Yeah. 100%. So when you guys look at, at your business, kind of going on your, your personal journey, did you guys start out um, in the traditional, like in a traditional accounting firm, and then decide like, hey, how, how did you end up going from that into owning your own own business? And this could fill up a happy <laughs> happy hour, half hour for sure. Um, it, we have an interesting story, and I think this is why we love small business and we love trying to pour in and help people. Is our journey in a nutshell? I'll try to go quickly here. Is I came out of school. Uh, years ago and went to a bigger firm, yep. you know, a top 10 firm in the nation. I was an employee, had an entrepreneurial bent, kind of that phase one, like we've already talked about, <clears throat> yep. and was approached by a small firm out of uh, my hometown. And they were looking to expand into the area where I went to college and where I was currently working, Springfield, Missouri. 
And it was interesting. It was intriguing. And I kind of was at a point in my career where I thought, well, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it now because I don't have kids and, and my life is not completely set in stone. Yep. And I knew that if I stayed too long in that, that one job, I'd have the golden handcuff and it'd be impossible for me to break away. So it was like this yep. perfect timing, right? Yeah. So I jumped out into a structure with, with some really good people, mm-hmm. good people, good friends. Uh, and my first hire was Jared. And Jared was kind of one of those aha moments where I realized the importance of you go get rock stars. And I mean, you can pay less or you can do whatever. And, and you're going to get this, you're, you're going to you know, re- yield the results you get from those kind of people. So Great that was point. one of the first big lessons I learned is you go out and you get all stars and you get rock stars. So, you know, flash forward a couple of years, we were part of a partnership, three, three offices, three different cities. Um, like I said, great people. We were all friends, but the partnership was very, it was, it was a bad partnership. Uh-huh. Know, communication was poor. Um, there was no consistency across the, the brand. Um, there was a lot of meetings after meetings. There was a lot of politicking. It was just an <laughs> ugly deal. You're laughing. I mean, this was our life. And so interestingly enough, we actually hired a consultant because we knew it was broken and we sure. wanted somebody to help us come fix it. <clears throat> he came in and I joked that he literally came in, spent about a day and a half with us, lit a match, threw it in the room and just walked out, flew back to San Francisco, never be heard from again because he knew it was this tinderbox that was ready to blow up and he, wow. he lit the match. And, and that's, <laughs> not literally, not literally. Not literally <laughs> that's what happened, right? Yeah. Is that our firm, um, you know, uh, immediately it started to disintegrate. We all lawyered up. We stopped communicating. And through 2015's tax season, we were negotiating a buyout wow. of our uh, current uh, partners. Yeah. We were forming a new firm and we were trying to service the clients we had. And so on May 1st of 2015, we finally got through all that. Uh, what interestingly enough, the the other partner and I just picked up the phone and talked to each other. That's another lesson is, is we just hadn't talked for months except through attorneys. And I just picked up the phone and called him and we realized that, you know what? The best way to handle this is just directly. So we we talked. Anyway, you know, we we made a deal. Jerry and I started Duck It Lad May 1st, 2015. We realized things had to be different. And that's kind of where we started our trajectory to where we are now, where we just wanted a little bit different, a little bit yeah. more of a, 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 a different type of firm. And I think we've done a good job building that up over the last several years. Very interesting. So there, there's a little, there's a lot to unpack there. So first of all, <laughs> the consultant right? Sometimes you go in, you hire a consultant, you're like, okay, this is the, you know, we've hired consultants before and said, this is going to be the, the ticket to, to freedom. I feel like sometimes a consultant pushes you in a direction that you needed to go, but you were not expecting to do it so fast. It seemed like your consultant did that in one day. Do you think your, your consultant fast forwarded this process for you? Um, and, and I mean that in a positive way. I don't mean that in a negative way. A hundred percent. I mean, the, the, the outcome of everything was the, was the route we needed to go, but yeah, I think he right. came in and, and he saw it immediately. Yeah. We were so deep into the weeds, if you will, and living it. But as a consultant, he came in and saw it immediately. And he was like, yeah, I know what needs to happen. Sure. I know what makes sense. So yeah, I think he, he pushed us forward extremely quicker than we thought would happen, but I think right. it's the best thing ever, to be honest with you. And, yeah. and to add on to that point, the reason he did is because he's probably seen the exact same situation a hundred times because our industry is very much what, what we were struggling with is, is not uncommon. You know, there was generational issues. Yep. There was compensation issues. There was work uh, ethic issues. There was all these issues 
that in a proper structure, which we could talk all day about building out that proper structure, you don't have these issues. They're addressed and they're yep. put on the table and they don't linger. So he, he saw it. He knew it. He uh, lit the match. He cashed his check and he walked away. And <laughs> honestly, I look back and say it was the right move for everybody. Yeah. You know, our partners for Jared and I. It, it, it was what needed to happen. It just happened in such an abrupt manner that, that we uh, we had to raise a few of these. And Jared and I had many heart-to-hearts as we were trying to work through it, but I think it made us a better partner group. And that's why we love working with multi-doctor practices is because yeah. we see it. We can see it. We can walk into a practice and see it immediately if they have bad communication. Yeah. It's not hard to see. And that's exactly what that consultant did for us. Yeah. I mean, that that's our journey, but a big portion, like you said, Bill, that's why we're so passionate about working with partnership, you know, dental practices is because we want to make sure before they buy in, say they're buying in with another owner or buying into a sole practice, what have you, Absolutely, that it is the right decision and they do mm-hmm. due diligence before they jump in. Yeah. Because as you can see, we jumped into that partnership and got in. It, it, it was stress, a lot of work. To get out, right? Yeah. And so that's yeah. why we're so passionate about helping. It was a marriage. It was, right it was a divorce. That, the, so divorce. I, that's what I was just going to say. So, you know, the, the interesting thing about partnerships and, you know, I have a business partner and I, I even said it to him literally today. I said, we're married and it's, you know, some the highs are high and the lows are low, but as long as you have a common goal to, to keep things going, it makes things easy. So, how are how are you guys as a partnership? You know how have you learned those lessons from coming out of a bad partnership going into your partnership, and how has that helped you as business owners? Oh man, I mean that learning experience has been everything. Yeah, that that's why it's allowed us. Like he said, May two thousand fifteen is when we started this firm. We we did a complete one eighty, and I think a lot of the things that that we're missing from the old partnership, nothing against them. Sure. We were part of it. I mean, is, is foundational principles. That's right. We just didn't have a lot of the foundational principles in place. Um, a lot of times I talk about the bar stool, right? We're here, we're here having a beer right now, but sitting on a bar stool, it has four legs, right? Yep. And that bar stool has four pillars of business that we talk about, which is leadership, team and talent, growth with profitability and systems and processes. Mm-hmm. And if you can get those four legs of the bar stool good sitting on the ground, that's a very good solid bar stool, which builds the business. Yep. If you're missing one, two, three, it's hard to sit on a one-legged, two-legged, three-legged bar stool. You're going to fall right over. Yep. You're going to fall right over. So yeah. I think what we did is got those in place. And I realized very quickly we were missing those, such as the mission, the vision, core values, et cetera. And that getting those in place just allowed us to scale. And let me jump in real quick, Brian, yeah. because kind of getting back to our journey, we told you, you know, phase one is really where you try to figure out business ownership right from you. Phase six is you've moved on, you know, you passed your practice. Well, phase phase four is right after you buy your practice and it's setting the foundation, the barstool, exactly what Jared said. And what we found is that with our previous firm, we were stuck in the rut of phase four because we never took the time to get the foundational concepts right. We had no idea why we existed, who we were. We had no idea how, how what our core values were, what was important to us, how yeah. we were going to interact with each other in the community, uh, our people. And, and so that's what we tend to find is a lot of times businesses get stuck in this rut and, and it's affecting their mentality, their profitability, their marriages, everything, because they don't have foundational stuff. So Jared's hundred percent right. You know, and we had it took us some time to figure all this stuff out. Sure. But we we kind of worked our way through phase four as quickly as we could. But it still took some time to really get the foundational house in order. 
Yeah. You know, I, I call that the, what's the point of all of this phase? Mm. You know, you kind yeah. of get to a point where you go, Hey, we're, we're, we have a decent living, you know, things are going, but what, what's the point? Like, what are we trying to really accomplish? Yeah. And I think you guys being able to guide people through that is super valuable. Yeah. Mm. Hands down. I mean, you got to know why you exist, right. You know, yeah. you got to know what you're, where you're going and, and why you're doing it. I mean, yeah. so you got to have that stuff in place. And once you have it in place, you can go, but it's hard to go without those in place. It's just going to yeah. hold you back. Now, one of the things I would, that I find interesting, and, and it's come up multiple times in, in the conversations that I've had with other business owners, and I'm interested to see if you've dealt with this with your clients, where they put together their goal and they, they create some arbitrary income number, 250000 400000 a million dollars a year. And then they get there and they go, uh, now, okay, that was fine. Now what? Have you had to help guide some of your clients through that sort of difficult time where they get, they set a goal, they get to it and they're like, okay, now what? Yeah, there's, there's no doubt. And I, I think one thing we've learned is that it's really easy to set arbitrary in your example, revenue numbers, but they really have no meaning tied to them. Yes. And, and yeah. there, there's really no dissection of what does that mean? Because yep. yeah, we can help somebody grow all day long and they're losing money. I mean, you know, there's more, there's more nuance to it. I'll say that, but, but if I'm understanding your question correctly, I I think it's more important to really get to what is, what is your purpose and what are you trying to accomplish and what's going to have the impact that you want to leave with your family, with your business, with your life. And, and if that number is a benchmark, Jared, likes to say a domino that has to fall to get there. So be it. Yeah. But typically the revenue type goals are really more short-term means to an end goals that really aren't tied into what they really truly want to accomplish. Yes. You know, I, at least the kind of clients we like to work with, that's yeah. just, that's just a, a, a means, a means to an end. That's an engine. And yes. really we tend to find that you need to go a little bit deeper than that, or you will hit a number and you're like, well, okay, we've hit our joke goals. Now what? Now you know, what? exactly yes. what you're saying. That, yeah. that's, that's, that's legitimate. That can happen. So you have to look, you have to have a little bit more introspection, look a little deeper. In my yeah, that's hundred percent. And a lot of people, you mentioned the dominoes, a lot of people hit the, set up those goals as dominoes to hit the last one, right? Cause why are you stacking up dominoes to knock them all over? Right. Sure. Or to make the last one easier to knock over. It's the momentum theory. So the last domino is what you need to back into. Yep. You know, our mission here is to strive every day to make the lives of our team members and clients better. Yes. So if we're looking at talking to dentists, we're going to make their life better, plain and simple. Yep. What does that mean? You yes. know, we want to help them build the business that supports the life they want to live. Yep. That's different from Dr. A to Dr. B. Maybe Dr. A wants to make $2 million a year and live in a huge house with fancy cars. Perfect. Maybe Dr. B wants to work a little less, is fine with a lower income level. And so they're different stories. We need to back into what that life is like yep. and then reverse engineer the business to support that life. Because yes. in the end result, your business supports your life, not vice versa. That's a great point. The, 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 uh, there's a guy who does a ton of podcasts named Michael Kitsis. He's a uh, financial planner. He's sort of like the financial planner guru. And he his podcast, he ends it with the same question every time. And he says, success means different things to different people. And he asks people to define what success means to them. And you're so right. I mean, $2 million is great to one person, but being at home and going to your kids' baseball games is, is success to someone else. You change the trajectory of people's lives. So I think, you know, I, I don't want to understate that. So I think that's a really important thing. Yeah. Now, when you work with, with dentists, I'm, I want to make sort of a joke. 
in our world, there's a joke that says, if you go to the dentist or to your doctor and they tell you that they own a stock and you own it, you should go home and sell it because they're <laughs> traditionally bad business people. So that's only a joke, but it does exist in our world. So what are some of the, Jared, what, what are one of the biggest mistakes that you see any dentist make? Uh, depending on what stage of the journey they're in. I mean, I, I think the biggest mistake I see young dentists make before they buy a practice or getting ready to buy a practice is just jumping in and buying the first one or second one and just yeah. falling in love too fast with a specific practice and not doing the due diligence. Um, I think mistakes I see with doctors that have bought practices or started practices is, is not ever stepping back mm -hmm. from the technical aspect and, and work on their business. They're just working in the business. Yeah. And if you could literally just take a, take a five second pause and close your eyes and step back and say, hey, what do I need to do here to make this business better? Not technically, just look at it from the outside perspective, maybe have to bring individuals in to help. And that's the problem I see is they just go, they just go and never take their head up to look up to say, hey, am I going in the right direction? I know I'm going, yep. but am I going in the right direction? So just pause, take a step back yep. and say, what can I do to make the business better? And just stop yeah. working at second. Yep. I know I'm moving, but Am I moving in the right direction is a pretty important thing to, to help someone with. 100%. Yeah, and I'll, I'll jump in there and kind of go a little bit deeper in one aspect of that, that people tend to miss. I think we see a lot is I don't think people understand the, the value and the importance of establishing and, and nurturing a great culture. I mean, that, that, that phrase has been kind of around there and it's almost kind of become cliche, Sure, but I think it's taken on a whole new meaning when people can't find people to work. Mm -hmm. and, and they can't keep their people. And all of a sudden we're having these horrible monthly meetings because nobody's sticking around and people yep. are leaving the dental space like crazy. So, you know, it, it's interesting. We were on a podcast or on actually a town hall with, with some other people and organically the conversation evolved uh, regarding hiring and, and the staffing shortage that we have in the dental space and organically it evolved where all of the talking heads were saying the same thing which is if you don't take time to work through and, and nurture and build out an incredible culture, you're going to struggle and, yes. and other people will catch up quicker if they have that dialed in. So I would say that in, you know, one key aspect that we sent tend to see a lot of people miss is really truly understanding of, of what the culture is. Like they say, you know, everybody has a culture. And if you don't know what it is, it stinks. And that's, <laughs> that's kind of what we see, right? I, I love that. So it, it, uh, this leads into a great question. So one of the things that I, I noticed for our firm in particular is that COVID really took a toll on our culture. You know, it was a really difficult thing for everyone being on Teams and Zoom and not being in, in person together. And I think it took a, 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 a real toll on us. So how did the pandemic affect you guys and, and how did you manage through that? COVID was, it was a mixed bag for us. We actually had this question a, a couple of days ago in another podcast or some other situation. And it was really interesting. We both kind of looked at it in, in two different ways. You know, I think when Jared was thinking is through his, his perspective, which is hundred percent right, is it completely accelerated our strategic timeline of moving to become more of a progressive remote workforce type of uh, firm yes. immediately? I mean, you had no it, choice. We had no choice. Yep. And I was really proud of our team. We were able to mobilize and, and go home. You remember that March 
we, you know, happened, everything happened, you know, yeah. within 24 hours, we were working remote and, but yeah. we had been kind of building towards that. It just forced our hands. Yep. So that was good from a client perspective. I think what it really allowed us to do was focus in and say, Hey, at this point, we have to realize that, that our necks are on the line, just like everybody else's dentists. We work with dentists. They are shut down. Yeah. So what are we telling our dentists to do? You need to, to lean up. And, and really be aware of what cash is going out the door. And that includes what's paid to us. So it really forced us to really evaluate how we served our clients. And I'll give my partner, Jared, a ton of credit because he like worked crazy hours to try to build out cash flow management software and all this kind of stuff that our clients could use to try to help manage this pandemic. And I think it really dialed in you know, why we do what we do and why it's important for our clients. Yeah. Um, so, so I look at it and say in a crazy way, COVID turned out to be a really good thing for the trajectory of our firm and, and kind of how we see the world and, and how we interact with our, our team and our clients. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people see CPAs and a lot of CPAs think about this themselves is that they're just transactional. They're just tax preparers or they're just, um, well, they just provide a transaction. Yeah. I mean, trusted advisor is what CPAs are. Yeah. And that's what the services they need to provide where they provide value. Yeah, I think COVID allowed us to show where, yeah, we need to help people. People need help from us. Mm -hmm. And COVID was just like, I mean, it just showed it so much about yeah. how it can help, help everybody get better. That, that's such a great point. We, we sometimes say some accountants are really good at forensics. They're really good at telling you what happened. So you guys had the opportunity to shine because arguably dentistry, you, you could kind of throw in there with... Um, hospitality and restaurants were decimated. So you guys had sure. the opportunity to shine for your clients and really provide them proactive advice. And, you know, obviously it turned out to be a successful thing for you. So that's great. Yeah. It's, it's, it's what you said. It's the hindsight, insight, and foresight. It's just helping people in the insight and foresight about where they're going. Yeah. Just now I, I do think it it's not really fair for us to really focus on those two and not say that probably what you were driving at is we experienced that too, Brian is, it was tough as a team. Yes. I mean, it was really tough because we are a very tight knit group and, and, you know, we enjoyed being together in the same room. We enjoyed breaking bread and hanging out and, you know, laughing and, and it changed, it changed overnight. And we had to be very deliberate to try to foster a, 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 a you know, a system that allowed for that. And it, it was not the same. I mean, I, I can't sit here and say it's it exactly the same for sure. But I, I think, you know, what we were able to do. And I think the way we were very transparent with our team, you know, they didn't really need that at mm -hmm. that point, whether they needed was clarity on what's happening and uh, what we were doing and how we were reacting to the situation. And that's what we tried to give them. And yeah. I think that, that that pivot really helped build a lot of trust and loyalty. And, and I think we've kind of rebounded now and found ways to still be that cohesive team while still keeping a lot of the open book transparency running. And, and it's, that's been another way it's helped us out. Yeah. That, I mean, that's true leadership there to be able to, to help your employees see through the dark times. So that, that's great. Now I got to add, you, you brought up strategic coach. Um, and uh, I wanted to ask you, Jared, what are your unique abilities? Mm, I try to figure that out every day. You know, it's, <laughs> you know I think it, that's a great question. I mean, I think if I were to say it's hard to say what your own unique abilities I are. I mean, speak everybody for you. I, there you go. Maybe that's there what you go. I, I like there that. You. Yeah, go. Well, Let's do this. Jared, Jared, and I are, Jared and I are the yin and the yang. Yeah. And Jared's unique ability that I love about having him as a partner 
is any conceptual idea you have that will help our team or our client, he can take and in very rapid succession, have a workable model that we can test out and, and roll out. Yeah. And, and that is a huge thing. He, he's a, he's an implementer. He is a guy that can take ideas and put them to work and execute and monitor and they roll. Yeah. That's, that's something I'm very fortunate to have. That's, that's your unique ability, Jared. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's the other way around too, because like on, on, you know, Bill's the visionary of our company, yeah. you know, we implement traction here at the EOS at our firm. And so Bill's the visionary and he's the guy, his office is literally right there. And he's always coming in here with just different <laughs> ideas. Like He's had like two and a half, three cups of coffee and he kind of moseys in and it's like, Hey, what about this? What about this? And I, you know, I take, you know, he might, he might feed me 15, Yeah. you know, and I might take two. Yeah. And be like, you got to sort through yeah. them all. <laughs> yeah. Like that one, like, yeah, I see that. So yeah. he sees the issues. He sees what needs to happen. He sees where everything's going and he can pick those things out. Yeah. And then, and then my unique, I, I, that, that's not how I'm wired. Yeah. It would take me forever to think of 15 things while Bill thinks about 15 things on the way to work. So it's completely different where I can jump in and take those two or three things out of his 15 and say, yeah, I see how this can work. I can see how we can implement this and then rally the team around us to figure out how to do it. So we yeah. work very well together. Completely opposites, though, I'll say that. Well, that's, I think that's, that's a, perfect, though. Right. Yeah. For a partnership. That's perfect. Um, now, if you could kind of look back at your, your career and, your, and the firm. All right. I've got sort of two questions. Number one, have you ever spent money as well as you did on that consultant in hindsight? Have you ever gotten a better ROI? And number two, what was the darkest time for you? Ooh. Mm. So, Goodness. yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. I, you know, I've never thought of, that's a great question. Right? Excellent, question, great question. Excellent question. Excellent question. And you, you're right. I mean, realistically, there's a good chance that without that consultant, we would still be in this partnership in, in a very different situation again. And, and not saying about those guys, they were good people, good sure. friends of ours, but it wasn't the right, right fit. Yeah. So, I've never thought of it that way, but I would argue that aside from maybe hiring Jared as an intern in college, <laughs> then, then, then that and, and the consultant would probably be the two best. I think I can speak for both of us unequivocally by saying that tax season in 2015, when we were going through this and we were dealing through attorney channels and there was a sense of hopelessness yeah. that we had that you can't describe. And again, that's why I just tell people, you said it, partnerships are like marriages. And we, we kind of crystallized it that we were like battling spouses going through a divorce. And guess who our kids were? They were our clients that we still had to kind of shield and take care of. And it was sickening. I mean, it was it was gut wrenching. I mean, yeah. I, I'm sure I really I think. Yeah, it was it was really, really tough. I, I mean, that may sound good, but it, it was the hardest trough we've ever been at, at least my opinion, Jared. Yeah, those are great questions, Brian. I mean, I, I, I think. I can't think of any better ROI than, than with the consultant and, and getting to where we are today. I mean, yeah. of course I, I look at it. I mean, our team, our team is just dynamite, absolutely dynamite here. So the ROI we get from being lucky enough to work with them every day is just extremely huge. But yeah, during that time, I think that was by far the darkest time I can remember sitting in an attorney's office and Bill was right there and we were, he was going through partnership agreements and all that stuff. 
And he was just kind of shaking his head like, guys, I don't I don't know how you're going to get out of this. Yeah. And I remember just kind of looking out the window and like, this can't be right. <laughs> and it, but it's the truth. You know, I mean, that's why we're so passionate about doing the due diligence before you jump in a partnership is yeah. make sure you know the outs, make sure you know what it takes to get out. Um, but that would be the time, man. I could picture it just sitting, staring right out the window. What I saw, it was, um, but we're here today and we're better for it. There's, there's no better way to guide your clients than saying, oh, I've been there. I know exactly yeah. what you're feeling, you know? Yeah. And I think that that allows you to give great advice. So I'm going to end on a positive. Now, you're six years removed from that. Can you look back at a time and think that's the moment I realized that this is the greatest decision we ever made and we couldn't be happier about it? Is there a singular moment or is it just multiple little moments over the course of time? Jared, we'll start with you. Yeah. Um, man, you've got a lot of great questions, Brian. I don't know if I could crystallize a single moment. A couple of things come to mind. Just seeing what impact our services and how we can help clients mm -hmm. to me with, with the consulting and the value added stuff yep. to me makes all the difference in the world. Before, before that, we weren't doing a lot of that. It was transactional stuff, which just sure. got the job done and yep. checked the box. Yep. Now we can provide impact and yeah. value and actually live out that mission. Um, you know, I'll kind of toot our own horn here. I don't like to do that often, but we've been voted the, you know, best accounting firm to work for, uh, the top 100 twice in that six years. And that means the world to me, because that means yeah. that the culture's dialed in, the people, our team members love working here. Um, and that means we're doing something right. So those, those two things are huge to me. That's great. So I would, I would look back and there was a point in time right at the very tail end of our negotiations where it was the, it was the fine tuning the yep. agreement was done in principle. You know, you always have kind of when you're doing a deal in the back of your mind, is this thing going to blow up? Last <laughs> minute? But it was, it was pretty much there. Yep. And, and I'd had that conversation with my partner and we realized we kind of regained our humanity and, and had that discussion. And it was really powerful. But what it did is it freed me to start thinking about the future at that point. And I'll never forget, there was a time where I was walking my dog. We kind of live out in the country. We we're just kind of walking down the lane. And I just started thinking about what we wanted to become. And it just started, it's like this lightning bolt moment where it just started coming to me. Yep. This is why we exist. The same reason we exist today, you know, our purpose and, and core values, all this stuff just started hitting me. Like all this stuff we went through, it is never going to happen again. And, and so I actually went back and like pounded out a bunch of like a manifesto, I guess. Yeah. It's like a Jerry Maguire manifesto. Exactly right. That's, that's exactly right. And I sent it to Jared and his reaction just, you know, was blew me away. We were so pumped about it. And I think at that point we're like, all right, this, you know, it's time. It's go time. Let's go. And, and I'll never forget that kind of lightning bolt moment where we realized that we had the ability to, to dictate yep. where we were going and who we were going to be. And it was so freeing that I think it, we, it's kind of given us the wind behind ourselves ever since. And, yep. and it keeps us, keeps us going. You know, I remember that. I remember that message too. And, and I, I saw it and in me, my implementer mind immediately is like, okay, this is great, but we got to do this, 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 and this. And then I went back and I'm like, no, he's exactly right. He started building the bar stool from that message. Yeah. And in essence, what he did right there was build the bus and pointed it in the right direction. And then we just opened up the door and said, who wants to get on?
Yeah. So it. that that was the start really of Duckett Lad right there is that pounding out dog walk down the lane deal is is he in essence, I mean, made the core values, the mission, the, the vision right there. That, and that, that's that was awesome. the start of it. Yeah, it's awesome. I love it. Well, this is great. You guys, uh, you guys are, were awesome. I really loved having you, having you guys on, um, love ended on a high note too. Um, Absolutely. so if you guys would like to know a little bit more about duck it lad, please go to duckitlad.com. If you want to connect with me on untapped, my username is brcarney seven to hear how our firm helps business owners with their financial planning. Visit riversedgeadvisors.com and to hear past episodes of the podcast, go to happy-half-hour.com. Now, the moment of truth, purple pine drops, Levante, love it. This is delicious. Um, I'm going to give this a four and a half out of five. I definitely would drink okay. it again. Ooh. So can we ask questions at this point? Please. Okay, so so I'm guessing there's kind of a little piney after, you know, a kind of piney note. What, what, tell us what that means there. Yeah. So um, it's got a little, you know what, that's an interesting question. Let me see if it has a description. It doesn't really have a, a, a description. They usually give it a, uh, a, a big write up. It is um, a pale ale, which is sort of like okay. on the lighter yeah. side and has a little bit of notes of you could it, not like Christmas tree ish, but in the neighborhood. Um, okay. But I enjoy that taste and I am a beard nurse nerd. So that does make me <laughs> like that. You know, that, that might not sound attractive to everyone, but I'm into it. I love it. I now, love great it. escapes. How how are we uh, how, how are you guys rating those? I know you've had those multiple times, but on a scale of one to five. Yeah, I'll jump in. I haven't actually had this one. This okay. is my first time for this specific. What was it? Stone's throw. Yeah, uh, it's dynamite. I give it a four and a half too. Love it. Um, yeah. There's not a lot of beers I don't like. I taste tested one down there just a second ago that was really really dark, like Guinnessy type. Yeah, maybe a little too stout for me. <laughs> yep. Um, but this is the, this is on fire. I might have to just venture down and get number two. We'll see. Love it. Absolutely. Good call I, there. I give this one a four and a half too. It, it's a it's a great workhorse beer. It's easy for a. Uh, 348 in the afternoon, you know, it's yep. not too heavy. It, it, uh, not going to make us too sloppy. So I, I'd give it a 4.5. Brian, we'd love to come and see you sometime. Maybe we can try, oh. try your brewery and then you, you can come down and see us. I love we'll the format. The love the format we'll love of this it. podcast. Great idea. It's yeah. awesome. Enjoyed it. Well, thank you guys so much for your time. I really appreciate it. You bet. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Thank you for listening to happy half hour with an entrepreneur sponsored by rivers edge advisors. For more information on how Rivers Edge Advisors can help you, visit their website at riversedgeadvisors.com. If you'd like to connect with Brian Carney for business advice or just to share a beer, follow him on Instagram at riversedgeadvisors underscore LLC.